Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Exodus. Now, last time we read Exodus chapter 2. Now, in chapter 2, at the end of that, we had Moses uh, fleeing from Egypt after he had killed an Egyptian. And he went to Midian um, and actually ended up living with the priest of Midian there. Um, we're going to read the last verse of chapter 2. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them and was concerned about them, knowing all, understanding all, remembering all. So this was in response to the uh, prayers, the groanings, and the, you know, the uh, cry for help from the Israelites. Now we're ready to read Exodus chapter 3. I am reading from the Amplified Bible. Now Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, and then it has in parentheses rule, and it's hard for me to pronounce that. It's Reuel, type of R-E-U-E-L. His father-in-law, the priest of Midian, this is who he was living with for the past 40 years, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, Sinai, or Sinai. I'm trying to say that correctly. I, I'll tell you, uh, growing up, we always added an extra syllable into that word, so you'll just have to bear with me. Anyway, so he came to Horeb, Sinai, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing flame of fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was on fire, yet it was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. Well, of course, if we saw something like on fire but not actually being burned up, we would, we would be curious. When the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, out of respect, because the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have in fact seen the affliction, suffering, desolation of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, oppressors, for I know their pain and suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand, power, of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land to a land that is good and spacious, to a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now, I want to mention something. When they mention a land that is spacious or a wide open area, they're talking about it's a um, what would you call it? Is that an allegory or a metaphor? It's a it's a uh, it's a real place in this instance, but it's also meant to uh, symbolize freedom and uh, being able to move about and be able to have freedom you know, to be in this wide open space without 
being confined or being caged or you, you, do you understand it it uh, conveys a certain amount of of freedom and openness in a in, in it's in a good way so uh, that's that's why sometimes we'll see in the bible it mentions you know you came they came to a wide space or a wide open area and it's talking in a spiritual sense it's talking about being free and being open so and in this case it would be an actual physical place that they would be free and open to live in but i just wanted to mention that because i've seen that in other places and we'll see that as we go through the old testament i think we'll see that in psalms and maybe proverbs i can't remember everywhere but uh Anyway, I just wanted to mention that it's something of note to be aware of that when they're talking about a wide open or a spacious land, it's it symbolizes freedom and, and an ability to to live and your life and be able to move about as you need or want to. You know, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Therefore. Come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and then bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve and worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers, ancestors, has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now this is God telling Moses basically who he should say has sent him, I am who I am. I don't know, this is um, classic, you know, to me, this is just classic God. This is, I am who I am, I am. And, and I think of God, I remember thinking of God, even when I was younger, as, as I am. It's just a statement of he is. And it's, it's his, uh, you know, his power is in his speech, in what he says. Everything he says happens and comes to pass. So anyway, it's just a very strong statement. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Then God also said to Moses, this is what you shall say to the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, Israel, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial. And in here it says, it has it in brackets, this is my memorial name to all generations. Go gather the elders, tribal leaders of Israel together, and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the suffering and oppression of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And this was to tell them how great the land would be. 
flowing with milk and honey. They would have, you know, great resources. It would be a plentiful, nice, easy land to live in. The elders of the tribes will listen and pay attention to what you say. And you, with the elders of Israel, shall go to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now, please, we ask and plead with you, let us go on a three days journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he is forced by a strong hand. So I will reach out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of the Egyptians. Therefore, it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall insistently ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and daughters. In this way, you are to plunder the Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. The reason that this says, you know, leaving with great possessions that are rightfully yours is that they have been oppressed in the into bondage for these people now for a long time. And they're leaving now and, you know, they should be able to take some things with them. Now, this says that they will be, they will plunder the Egyptians while it, while we're calling it that in that sentence above before that, they're saying everyone shall, you know, every woman shall ask for these articles. So they will plunder them, but not really like plunder them in a mean and vicious way. They'll just ask them to give things to them and they will give them things. The word usage may be a little off there because, you know, you will take things from the Egyptians, but I don't think that's truly plundering like I think of plundering. You know, I think of looting and pillaging and sacking, you know. So it's a little different than what I think of. But uh, still, in that sense, they will carry a certain amount of uh, treasure or um, wealth with them. So God does not want to send them or take them out empty handed. He wants them to feel like they have something and they have what, you know, hopefully what they've earned for their servitude and their time there because they have helped make Egypt a prosperous nation. And we know this going back to even Joseph's time. I want you to notice here also that Moses, Moses is like, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the children, I mean, of Israel out of Egypt? I mean, he is like, he's like, I, you know, that would be like, I don't know. It would be like me and be like, no, what? I'm not the right person for this job, you know, and he's going to he's going to talk more about that. OK, that is a very interesting thing to notice that Moses really is not overly confident. And I think he's learned a lot in his 40 years. Not that he's a perfect man at this point, but I think his 40 years away and, and just working out here, uh, being a shepherd, watching over these flocks and and working for his father-in-law at this point, I think he's learned a lot um, from when he was a young man. And I think he is hopefully um, a, a much better person. It doesn't sound like he thinks too highly of himself.
So that can be a good thing. And, you know, God can work with you when you're, when you're not so busy thinking too much of yourself, then God, God can work with you. God can help you, teach you and show you things if you will just, you know, spend some time in his word. Anyway, this has been Exodus chapter three. Hope you have a wonderful day. I want to thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.